Read the Bible every day so you'll be full of faith. Welcome you to join Bible Links to read the entire Bible in two years. I believe God will bless you, He will lift you up, and your life will never be the same. Exodus chapter 33 The Lord said to Moses, Depart, go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought up out of the land of Egypt, to the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, To your offspring I will give it. I will send an angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go up among you, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. When the people heard this disastrous word, they mourned, and no one put on his ornaments. For the Lord has said to Moses, Say to the people of Israel, You are a stiff-necked people. If for a single moment I should go up among you, I would consume you. So now take off your ornaments, that I may know what to do with you. Therefore, the people of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments from Mount Horeb onwards. Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, far off from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise up, and each would stand at his tent door and watch Moses until he had gone into the tent. When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent, and the Lord would speak with Moses. When all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship, each at his tent door. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from his tent. Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, Bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways, that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider too that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And he said to him, If your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us, so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, This very thing that you have spoken, I will do, for you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. Moses said, Please show me your glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord, and will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But, he said, you cannot see my face. For man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock, and while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock, 
and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. Exodus chapter 34 The Lord said to Moses, Cut for yourself two tablets of stone like the first, and I will write on the tablets the word that were on the first tablets which you broke. Be ready by the morning, and come up in the morning to Mount Sinai, and present yourself there to me on the top of the mountain. No one shall come up with you, and let no one be seen throughout all the mountain. Let no flocks or herds graze opposite that mountain. So Moses cut two tablets of stone with like the first, and he rose early in the morning and went up on Mount Sinai as the Lord had commanded him, and took in his hand two tablets of stone. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there, and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. And Moses quickly bowed his head toward the earth and worshipped, and he said, If now I have found favor in your sight, O Lord, Please let the Lord go in the midst of us, for it is a stiff-necked people, and pardon our iniquity and our sin, and take us from your inheritance. And he said, Behold, I am making a covenant. Before all your people I will do marvels, such as have not been created in all the earth or in any nation. And all the people among whom you are shall see the work of the Lord, for it is an awesome thing that I will do with you. Observe what I commanded you this day. Behold, I will drive out before you the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Take care lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land to which you go, lest it become a snare in your midst. You shall tear down their altars and break their pillars and cut down their eshirim. For you shall worship no other god, for the Lord whose name is jealous is a jealous god. Lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land. And when they whore after their gods and sacrifice to their gods, and you are invited, you eat of his sacrifice, and you take of their daughters for your sons, and their daughters whores after their gods, and make their sons whore after their gods. You shall not make for yourselves any gods of cast metal. You shall keep the feast of unleavened bread. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, as I commanded you. At the time appointed in the month of Abib, for in the month of Abib you came out from Egypt. All that open the womb are mine. All your male livestock, the firstborn of cow and sheep, the firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. Or if you will not redeem it, you shall break its neck. At the firstborn of your sons you shall redeem, and none shall appear before me empty-handed. Six days you shall work, but on the seventh day you shall rest. In plowing time and in harvest you shall rest. You shall observe the feast of weeks, the first fruits of wheat harvest, and the feast of ingathering at the year's end. Three times in the year shall all your males appear before the Lord God, the God of Israel. 
for I will cast out nations before you and enlarge your borders. No one shall covet your land when you go up to appear before the Lord your God three times in the year. You shall not offer the blood of my sacrifice with anything leavened, or let the sacrifice of the feast of the Passover remain until the morning. The best of the first fruits of your ground you shall bring to the house of the Lord your God. You shall not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. And the Lord said to Moses, Write these words, for in accordance with these words I have made a covenant with you and with Israel. So he was there with the Lord forty days and forty nights. He neither ate bread nor drank water, and he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand as he came down from the mountain, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. Aaron and all the people of Israel saw Moses, and behold, the skin of his face shone that they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the leaders of the congregation returned to him, and Moses talked with them. Afterward, all the people of Israel came near, and he commanded them all that the Lord had spoken with him in Mount Sinai. And when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face. Whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would remove the veil until he came out. And when he came out, he told the people of Israel what he was commanded. The people of Israel would see the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face was shining. And Moses would put the veil over his face again until he went in to speak with him. The following is the English translation of Pastor Moen Wu's teaching on the book of Exodus, chapters 33 to 34, translated by Bryson. Read the Bible every day so you'll be full of faith. Let's review Exodus, chapters 33 to 34. In chapter 32, God said he would visit the Israelites' sins upon them. God only visits the sins of those who do not repent and go against him. However, starting from chapter 33, we will see how Moses prays. This is truly for every one of us, whether we are parents, intercessors, or leaders. How can we continuously intercede in the heart of God for those under our care? Even when Moses was engaged in intercession, he longed to understand the heart of God more and more. Therefore, as servants, as people of prayer, and spiritual parents, apart from praying continually for the souls entrusted to us, and praying according to the heart of God, we should also be like Moses saying, Lord, let me know you more. The more I understand your heart, the less I am satisfied with merely having my prayers answered. I find true joy and true satisfaction in knowing you more deeply and drawing closer to you. In chapter 33, verse 1, the Lord said to Moses, Depart, go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought up, out of the land of Egypt, to the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, To your offspring I will give it. I will send an angel before you and bring you there, but I will not go up among you. God still did not accept the people. He did not say, These are my people, I am their God. Here God was saying, You and the people, but I will still complete what I reveal to you, my covenant with you, you can go to the promised land, but I will not go up among you. Dear family, if it was you, what choice would you make? 
Do you only want grace, blessings, and going to heaven, or do you want the presence of God? Do you want God's presence in our everyday life, walking with us every day? In Christianity today, many people get baptized and just wait to go to heaven. They have this mindset. I don't care if God is with me or not, I just care about being saved and entering the promised land. But Moses knew how to grasp the heart of God. He understood that whether or not they went to Canaan wasn't the main point. The most important thing was God's presence, his acceptance, and his companionship with them. That's what I will continually pray and ask God for. Dear family, sometimes when we lead seekers to faith or our children get baptized, you might say, Thank God, my children are baptized. I'm grateful. He is a Christian now. Whether my child loves the Lord, seeks God, and walks closely before Him, I don't mind. What matters is whether they have been baptized or not. This is what verse 1-3 to is talking about. Moses discerned immediately, I don't want this. I don't want just grace. I don't want just to reach the promised land. I want your presence. I want you to journey with us. If you're not going to be with us, I'd rather not go to the promised land. From verse 4 to verse 6, the people also understood. The people repented. Look at verse 5. For the Lord had said to Moses, Say to the people of Israel, You are a stiff-necked people. If for a single moment I should go up among you, I would consume you. So now, take off your ornaments, that I may know what to do with you. This is God offering a condition of mercy, a second layer of repentance. Early in chapter 32, it talks about hiding your tents. Do not indulge in eating, drinking, or playing. Do not engage in these promiscuous activities anymore. The Levites will come out and kill these 3,000 people. This is the first step of repentance. Now the second step of repentance, take off all your ornaments. It's not difficult, right? The demands of repentance aren't difficult. It's, it's about returning to being before God and doing what He says. The second step of repentance and being accepted by God is to take off the ornaments. It's not hard. The people did it. In verse 6, Therefore the people of Israel stripped themselves of the ornaments from Mount Horeb onward. Dear family, it's simple, but we must do it thoroughly. We can pray one thing, Lord, I not only want your grace, but I want your guidance even more. I want your presence more than this grace. Help me in your presence, whatever does not please you, whether it's how do I speak, offending others and you, the ways I think that don't agree with the standards of holiness. Help me, have mercy on me to strip off all these things from Egypt that are so entangled with me. Get rid of all these ornaments from the world. Remove all of the control that lust, fame, and so on has on me. We have a lot of ornaments on us. We care about reputation, money, status, praise, and recognition from others. We care about possessions like our car, house, our abilities at work. We care about how others perceive us, how they address us. Remove these ornaments, Lord. I want you. The second step of repentance is for us to have no remnants of the world on me. Nothing I can boast about or find attractive in myself. I pray, Lord, that today everything will fall, completely fall away from me. You should pray for the second thing. Let God be my God and let me be God's people. We should lead those who have just believed in Christ, those who are just starting to walk in the salvation of Christ. 
Don't think that just by saying the sinner's prayer, I'll be waiting to go to heaven. We must lead them to do one thing, repentance. Turn away from your wickedness, then remove all remnants and entanglements of the world from you. Remove your envy of the world, remove any ornaments of this world from Egypt that are still on you. Let's pray for God to have mercy on us. From verse 7 to verse 10, Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, far from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. At this time, the actual tabernacle had not yet been built. Moses referred to it as a temporary tent because he longed to be close to God. It was outside the camp, so anyone who sought the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. This showed that God was actually separated from the people because they had sinned and broken God's covenant by making the golden calf. Have they repented? Yes, they have. Have they removed the ornaments? Yes, they have. But God is still not among them. He is still outside the camp. The people need to continue on the path of repentance. So you see, they will see the pillar of cloud indicating God's presence. When the pillar of cloud comes, they know God is present. Then the Lord spoke to Moses. Verse 10. And when all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship each at his tent door. So they were worshiping and bowing down. In the Chinese translation, it says that they bowed down low at their tent door. This is also an act of repentance and reverence for God. Removing all entanglements, you should often see the pillar of cloud, which actually can appear sometimes in the church, sometimes at your door. We, we are bowing down at the entrance of your tent. This means you are wanting to be acting in a place of worship and connection to God, removing any ornaments. This is an act of repentance. Seeing the pillar of cloud standing at the door, they rose and did not dare to be casual about it. They started to revere God, bowing down at the entrance of their own tent. They understood how to worship God in their own homes, in various environments, familiar environments, in my home, even in my workplace, even in front of my children. I know how to worship God. I know how to bow down before God. These are all expressions of repentance. We can teach our brothers and sisters. We can teach the spiritual parents. We can teach our leaders to do this. When the pillar of cloud appears, it is the manifestation of God's presence, even the manifestation of God's glory. It happens in the entire church during gatherings, in small groups, and then during prayer meetings, and so on. We can all say to our brothers and sisters, how are we to live in the presence of God and fear Him? Rising up His reverence, bowing down His true worship. We can make our homes, even ourselves, free from what seems like control from the idols, and also free from the bondage of the world. Step by step, we are entering into a relationship where you are our God and we are your people. In chapter 33, God has not yet called these people my people. God calls them a stiff-necked people. In verse 11, if you look again, it says, Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. Moses had already gone back into the tent from the camp. The cloud stayed there and God was speaking. There was a young man named Joshua who did not leave the tent. From this we learned something. Joshua was a faithful servant, closely following Moses. But Joshua was also someone who was seeking the presence of God. 
So when Joshua didn't leave the tent, it wasn't because he was following Moses closely, but it was because he was following even more closely the glory and presence of God. Today we need to teach our children. As parents, we go to church and take you with us. As small group leaders, we lead by example. When we go to church, we invite our brothers and sisters to come. Pastors also lead by example. Going to church is to be a habit, a norm. We also need to encourage our brothers and sisters to seek God, to seek God alone, to know His presence, to wait upon Him and before the tent of God's presence. So we need to teach our children to go to church, not just because mom and dad take you to church, but because you desire God. You go to church to worship Him. Sometimes we find that when we bring our teenagers to church, our children to Sunday school, they resist and don't want to, and they are sitting at the back with a sour face, not wanting to attend. We need to teach our children to fear God like Joshua did. We're not just following our parents, following our authority. We need to go to meet our God ourselves. Pray for our children. Verse 12 and 13. Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, Bring up these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways, that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. Moses doesn't just want favor for himself. I want you to say this nation is also your people. Moses put what God said in verse 1 and 2 on his heart. It's not just about me being yours not just about Joshua being yours, but all these people should be your people. Verse 12 to 13, Moses' prayer can become our prayer today. It can be applied to praying for our children, praying for our small group members and our small groups. We can pray for our brothers and sisters. Lord, let me find favor in your sight. It's not just about me receiving salvation and blessings. You have chosen me. You know me, Lord. Lord, I ask you, consider that too that this nation is your people. Think about my family, who are also your children. Think about my spouse, my children, the small groups I lead, and the brothers and sisters I lead. That they would truly fear you, worship you, seek you, and desire you. May they also find favor in your sight. May you truly know them. This is an essential prayer for leaders. It's not just about having many people in church, having our children come with us to church, Having small group members attend regularly, and then you are just satisfied? Do they really know God? Do they desire God? Do they adore God? When God knows us by name, that's what it means to find favor. Many people today testify, I've received blessings, I've received grace, I've been promoted, I've become wealthy, I've been healed. You have received a lot of favor, and a lot of people admire that. But what does Moses mean by finding favor? It's about being known by God, being guided by God, being accepted by God, being called God's people. That's what it means to find favor. It's completely different from many testimonies today. What is your testimony today? What do you care about today? Think about the one thing that makes you most thankful. Is it a promotion, wealth, health, having your wishes fulfilled? The one thing you should be most thankful for today is coming before God and saying, Lord, you know me. I am your people. Verse 14 to 16, the Lord says, Okay, okay, okay. My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. But in verse 15, Moses responds, 
If your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. It's sort of strange. In verse 14, God has already promised to go with them. So why does Moses say in verse 15, If your presence will not go with me, God has already promised. In verse 16, Moses says, For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us, so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? Here, going with doesn't just mean guidance. Here it means presence. Moses is making a further request. God says, Okay, I will go with you. Moses says, I still want more. I want your presence. Not just guidance, but I want you to be among us. Accompanying us, setting us apart from all other people. It's not just about your guidance. God has also guided the Egyptians, Arameans, Philistines, Assyrians, Babylonians. They were all stirred by God. I don't just want guidance. I want us to have your presence. I want you to dwell among us. In verse 17, the Lord says, This very thing that you have spoken, I will do. For you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. Once again, God says, I know you. I call you by name. I recognize you. This is what it means to find favor. From the previous prayer, we see that Moses consistently holds on to the idea. Lord, I want your presence. I want your presence. Today, parents, leaders, and even young brothers and sisters, when you hear this message, you should be, keep praying for this matter. The most important thing in my life is not solving my difficulties or having my wishes fulfilled, or my life's dream list. God has accomplished these for me. The greatest grace in my life is not about these things. The greatest grace in my life is that I have found favor in your sight. You know my name. You know me. You care for me. You guide me. And you are here with me. Many times I wanted to get into university, and God made it happen. I wanted to earn my first income, and God made it happen. I wanted to buy my dream house in my life, and God made it happen. I wanted to have a marriage admired by all, to be loved, and to find someone to love. Have a beautiful family. Thank you, Lord. You are able to make it happen. But even this doesn't compare to finding favor with God, to be in His presence, to be mentioned by Him by name, to be known by Him. This is the grace we should care about. This is something worth pursuing for a lifetime. Verse eighteen to twenty. Moses continued to ask, only God's presence. He is not satisfied. M Moses asks God, "Will you go with them?" God promises. His presence, God promises. Now he asks again, I want to know you more deeply. It's not from me that I ask. I want to know you. I want to understand you. Please show me your glory. Verse 19. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. This goodness means I will show you all my goodness, all my abundance, all my beauty. I will tell you. I will declare my name to you. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. This is saying, I will now show favor to you. I will now show you mercy, God proclaims. In verse 21, the Lord says, Behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. I will let you see. Wow, we need this kind of, kind of prayer, like Moses. He's not satisfied. I want your guidance. I want you to remember that we are called by your name. 
I want favor in your sight. I want you to be us. I want to see your glory. Do you see what is happening here? Moses' desire for God is incremental, little by little. Every time God agrees to one thing, Moses asks for more. Every time God agrees, Moses asks again. In our prayers today, many times we stop at, God provided, I'm satisfied, I don't need anything else. I'm not talking about material things, I'm talking about spiritual desires that we are asking God for. A divine longing, a divine request. Sometimes God opens up a bit of our understanding to know Him. Sometimes He answers our prayers, sometimes He heals our sicknesses, sometimes He accomplishes great things for us. We're satisfied and we praise the Lord and our prayer just stops there. At that. But we need to take to the next step. Lord, I want to know you. I want your presence. I want to understand you better. On another level. I want to see your glory. Moses' prayer was accepted by God. But what about us? Pastors, do we pray like this? Preachers, do we pray like this? Small groups, do we also pray like this? Sometimes we pray for our small groups, for the church, for our brothers and sisters, for our children. God fulfills it and we're thankful. And we don't ask anymore. What we should seek is this. Lord, I want to know you. I want your presence. I want to understand your name. I want to know you yourself. I want to see you proclaim your name. I want to hear the manifestation of your glory. I long for you to reveal all your goodness to me. I have already spoken face to face with you, God. Moses had spoken face to face with God, yet he was not satisfied. I want to know you more. Speaking face to face is not enough for me. I am not that satisfied. I want to know you more and more and more. Let this desire be in our hearts. Today, let it become our prayer. Lord, I want to know you more. I want to know you more. In chapter 34, God says, I promise you, come, let's make a covenant. The Lord said to Moses, Cover yourself two tablets of stone like the first, and I will write on the tablets the words that were on the first tablets, which you broke. Be ready by the morning and come up in the morning to Mount Sinai and present yourself there to me on the top of the mountain. No one shall come up with you and let no one be seen throughout all the mountain. Let no flocks or herds graze opposite that mountain. The relationship returns to the time when they went to Mount Sinai at the first time. Do you remember? From chapters 21 to 24, God reveals step by step. Moses could go up the mountain. Then Aaron and Hur could go up the mountain. Seventy elders could go up the mountain. Later, Joshua even followed Moses up the mountain. Those 40 days, now no one can go up. Their relationship returns to Mount Sinai, where God's presence descended for the first time, when the people were terrified. Have you noticed the relationship between us and God? It's something you must invest time in cultivating. If we sin today, if we offend God, or if we have weaknesses, we must not take sin lightly. Sometimes people have the idea that as long as I confess and pray, God forgives. Yes, God forgives. Do you see it? In chapter 32, God forgives. Yes, God said they were stiff-necked people and told them to remove the ornaments. Did they remove the ornaments as instructed? Yes, they did. Did God manifest himself in the pillar of cloud? Yes, he did. Did God later answer Moses by showing his glory? Yes, he did. Did Moses find favor in the sight of God? Yes, he did. But when we come to chapter 34, we see that the relationship has to start over from the time of Mount Sinai. We must not underestimate sin, nor should we underestimate the destruction it brings between us and God. 
Today, my weaknesses in lust and speech and temperament and even in idolatry. If I confess and repent, God cleanses me. Praise the Lord. Once the relationship is broken, once it is damaged, we really need to make extra efforts to restore it, not by attacking, slandering, or disobeying. Every detailed arrangement in our life by God, we must not move out from this covering. If I move in my own way, if I am dissatisfied with my covering, oh, I'll just change and I'll just follow God myself. He is my covering. He is the one above me. It's very dangerous to live like this. If Moses had not interceded for the people, they wouldn't have known about their sin against God. Such as with the golden calf, which was a significant setback in their relationship with God. If Moses hadn't interceded before God once, twice, and again, how would we know that God said that he would establish a new covenant? How would we know that we had returned to the point where Moses had to go alone to meet with God? If there is no covering among us, no authority to intercede for us, no one to guide us toward God, then who shall intercede for us today? Of course, Jesus Christ intercedes for us. Who will rebuke us? Who will correct us? Who will remind us? Are we kings now? Oh, I'm the boss now. God is my covering. No one else can speak against me. It's dangerous. Very dangerous. We should ask God to always keep us under the authority that honors, loves, and fears God. If your authority is not such a person, you can pr pray to God, saying, Lord, I trust your arrangements. Help me. All authority comes from you. Even if it's strange, I will obey. Because of my obedience, God will change the entire environment I am in and bring me under authorities who will conform to your will. This is God's will for us. In the fourth and fifth verses, Moses cuts the tablets and went up the mountain. In the fifth verse, the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. This is how God responded to Moses' request. I want to see your glory pass by before me. God agreed, saying, I will proclaim my name before you. God says, I will make a covenant. In the covenant, I will manifest my glory and reveal all my goodness. Let me tell you, this is what my goodness is all about. Revealing my glory in the original text means reveals all my goodness. God says, Okay, now I will tell you my, what my goodness is. In the sixth verse, the Lord proclaims, The Lord, the Lord, so he is proclaiming his name twice like he is the Alpha and Omega, the creator and finisher, a God of merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. First, while the people are disobedient and stiff-necked, God tells us that he is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children, to the third and fourth generation. God tells us that he is full of love and mercy, but his righteousness has not diminished. He does not compromise with sin or human weakness. He will indeed punish sin. However, at the same time, he reveals his love and righteousness. He supports God encourages, guides, and through his presence draws us towards his goodness so that we don't need to live under condemnation to the third and fourth generation. God does not want us to keep living in condemnation. He wants us to enter into his love, mercy, grace, and the favor of forgiveness for sins, transgressions, and evil. That's who God is. Look at verse 8. In the process of praising and worshiping, Moses immediately hurried down. You see that Moses was still praying for the people. 
If now I have found favor in your sight, O Lord, please let the Lord go in the midst of us. This is what presence means. For it is, it is a stiff-necked people, and pardon our sin and our iniquity, and take us for your inheritance. What does this statement mean? Instead of saying, you and your people, can you say, these are my people? Lord, we are your inheritance. Will you accept us? Restore us to being the position of being your people. Look at Moses' prayer. It always touches the heart of God. This is what intercessors constantly need to learn. My intercession is not but praying in us. I pray and I pray and I pray for this master, fasting and praying, declaring and praying, warring in prayer. I spend so much time in prayer. You will find that Moses, as an intercessor, always seeks to satisfy the heart of God. He doesn't want to see things accomplished. He doesn't want to solve the problem. He is constantly responding to God's will, saying, God, I want to understand your heart. When God says, you have found favor in my sight, Moses prays, Lord, then let the people also find favor. When God says, I will proclaim my name, full of compassion and slow to anger, Moses says, Lord, forgive our sins. When God says, I will grant repentance so that sins can be forgiven, Moses says, Lord, accept this as your people. What Moses is thinking about is how God's attributes can be connected with us. Your power, your goodness, your wonderful deeds are all connected to us. You, you should pray like this all the time. Sometimes we will declare the attributes of God. When we declare these attributes, we should connect these proclamations to our families, those you are leading, and also with your needs. You will find that as we understand God more and more, we desire God more and more, and we step more into his, his destiny for us. In the 10th verse, God says, Behold, I will make a covenant. I'm renewing the covenant. From the 11th to the 13th verse, God says, I will make a covenant. In these verses, God says, I will keep my word. I will drive out these groups of people. Take care, lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land which you go lest it become a snare in your midst. You shall tear down their altars and break their pillars and cut down their ashram. If you make a covenant, you shall make a covenant with me, not with the inhabitants of Canaan. You shall love and serve me only. God is a jealous God. He cares about this aspect. So today we should not be like those who make two covenants. Do, do you want to be God's people? While we're declaring... Listen to what God instructs us. The first instruction is in verse 15 and 16. The first thing God cares about is completely separating themselves from the Canaanites. Worshipping the golden calf is the connection to Egypt. Even when the Israelites and Canaan, they still worshipped idols. You realize here they didn't hear the first thing God cares about, which is being separate from the world. The first point God cares about in renewing the covenant is to be separate from the world to be separate from the idols, and to be separate from those who worship idols. The 17th verse is the second point of God's renewal of the covenant. You shall not make for yourselves of any gods of cast metal. Many of us make idols out of our children, our work, our reputation, and money. You should care about what God cares about. If God is to renew the covenant with us, repentance is the first step. Walking together, being in His presence, and the manifestation of His glory. God begins by saying, I will make a covenant separate from the Canaanites. Secondly, you shall not make idols for yourself, teaching us that God should be our sole focus. The third point is about observing the feast. 
Once again, observing the, these feasts, keeping the Feast of Unleavened Bread, removing all leaven, observing the feast before God. Do not offer sacrifices recklessly, do not change the appointed times. From the 21st to the 26th verses, the fourth point God cares about is keeping the Sabbath and observing the three major festivals, which is practicing faith and obedience. We have discussed before, are we too busy to stop for the Sabbath? God says to stop. During the busy farming season, he does not tell us to observe the festival, but at the time of plowing, at the time of harvest, there are a lot of crops. There's no one to guard the crops, and maybe there will be people who will come and steal the crop. But it's during this time, during the festival period, that they have to go to Jerusalem, leaving only women and children behind at home. Isn't this an easy target for the enemy? Practicing faith, practicing obedience, practicing rest, these are what God cares about. These four points we need to pay attention to today. 1. Not forming connections with the people of this land, the Canaanites, the idolaters. 2. Not making idols for ourselves. 3. Living a truly holy life. And 4. Observing the Sabbath and the festivals. God cares about these four things. So you see, later on, these words are written down. In verse 28, Moses went without eating or drinking for 40 days. Later in verse 29 to 33, when Moses came down from the mountain, his face was shining. The Hebrew text is quite interesting. Face shining actually has another meaning in Hebrew, which is having horns on his head. Because they worship the golden calf and the calf has horns. Do you want this kind of God? Now it seems like God is also joking with Moses. Some say it's the space shining, some say it's Moses growing horns. That's why in some European churches when you see the sculpture of Moses, he has horns. But I don't think it's horns, rather Moses is reflecting the glory of God, which makes people fearful. But Moses covered it with a veil not to hide the glory so that others would not be fearful. But it was to let people see as long as we continue to be in the presence of God, we can be so favored that we can shine his light, just like God. Just like how he made us in his image, and this would also be the fulfillment of revelation, we are no longer relying on the light of the sun, moon, and stars. The city would shine with God's light. This is the unity of the bride and the bridegroom. So we are able to shine together with God. In verse 35, the people of Israel would see the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face was shining. And Moses would put the veil over his face again until he went in to speak with him. So, God, remove our veils and let our faces shine constantly with your glory. We can also pray for one thing. When we are close to God, may your light also shine through me. May my words and actions be filled with light. And may my face radiate with your joy, faith, and hope. Lord, may be not only someone who knows you and is attracted by your goodness, but I want to also become someone who reflects your glory and your goodness, so that people would see you in me, and you are living in me, your acceptance in me, and that they would see the manifestation of your glory inside me. In chapters 33 to 34, there are many things we can pray for. Let's pray for God to guide us step by step in repentance, to value the relationship between us and God, to live under his covering, and to teach us how to pray and continually ask for more from God. Not for material things, not for blessings, but for our deep and holy dissatisfaction with our knowledge of God. 
I want to know you more. I want to know you more. Do you see it? Originally, it was talking face-to-face -face with God in the tent outside the camp. Now it is speaking with God face-to-face. -face. They are able to speak in the midst of glory. It's different. Drawing closer to God and becoming more like God. So face-to-face, mouth-to-mouth speaking, Moses is still not satisfied. He still wants more and more. God can satisfy us and satisfy us again with us having communion with him in the light. May this become our deepest satisfaction today. Our greatest blessing in life is that he is with us. This is the sign of my favor. He calls me his inheritance. This is my blessing. Amen. Dear families, we hope that you enjoy the Bible race as much as we do. If you are willing to volunteer to translate the original Chinese teaching into English or assist with video editing, please email service at 360sunrise.com. Thank you.